This is episode 33 of Gaming and BS, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character Folio! Folio! This is Gaming NBS, a podcast about tabletop role-playing games and geekery. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Thanks for joining the show. Announcements. Let's just dive into the sucker, shall we, Brett? Let's do it. Rock and roll, man. All right. I'm pumped up for this show. Brett, I'm kind of pumped up. I got a big glass of whiskey here, so I'm going to get pumped up in a little bit. I started off pissy, but it's gonna. I'm turning it around. I'm glad. Sean. I'm glad you were upfront and honest about that, Brett. I was going to out you, but nope, it's no, out on the no. table, Brett. We're out, a, I'm going to out myself. He's a little pissy, and so by the end of the show, wh- wh- who knows what's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen? Let's go into it. Announcements, bonus BS. What is it? How are we going to use it, Brett? Well, Sean had the opportunity to interview our buddy Hans Cummings, author, Hans. gamer. Hans? Yeah. Hans, did I say Hans? Oh, my God, that yeah. was bad. You're, Pol- Sorry, Hans. You're Polish, Sorry. too, man. Sorry. I know, I know, I know. But anyway, Mr. Cummings, author, gamer, and awards submission coordinator for the NES, so, which is really cool. Um, Mr. Cummings said, hey, yeah, I'd love to do an interview with you guys. That'd be cool. So Sean had the opportunity. Schedules didn't mix up right, so I couldn't get there to teach um, martial arts class, so I couldn't make it. But Sean did it. And we got it done with, man, it went pretty well. And we're looking at, you know, over 15, over 20 minutes. And we're like, man, how do we cram it into the show? What do we do with it? And we like, you know what? This is bonus BS, brother. That's what this is. So we're going to get ourselves uh, a little extra feed action going in. We'll slide it out there. And you guys can uh, download it and listen to it at your leisure. So I have, we have, vet, Brett and I, much like every episode that we do of gaming and BS, have not vetted it all the way through. No, 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 no. But, <laughs> There's so, a fair chance it's horribly no, – I'm kidding. It's not that bad. So what we were kind of contemplating is what do we do with these special interviews that go long or you know anything special that we do? Do we try to fit it into an hour show and end up having the, the hour show become an hour and a half or how do we do this? And so we, like Brett mentioned, I, the, it was just going to be too long to fit into a normal show. So we, we kind of did it on the fly. So what we're going to do, my thinking, and we'll talk it over, but you're kind of getting the live version of Brett and I talking it over. But I envision bonus BS still falling in with our same feed um, because it's still the same audience, right? If it was something we were going to do something completely different that did not cater to gamers at all, then I would probably say, yeah, we need to set up our own feed and put it in its own feed and almost be its own show. Um, well, it's, I mean, you, you do your, um, your uh, recruiting podcast. Right, right. And the recruiting podcast, while it is indeed of interest to me, it's nothing that it's not for the gamer audience. So it's got its own house. Right. Well, so with this, I think what we may do in going forward is if we do an interview, I don't want to do it like it's just an interview show because Brett and I may, Brett may say, hey, I want to do something. I want to do something solo uh, and I want to talk about it, whatever it is. I may say, hey, I want to, re- I want to do like an RPG review and maybe that's not part of the show. So we'll throw it in a, a bonus episode. So there's not going to be any, uh, there's not going to be any type of, 
when it drops cycle. It's just going to be whenever we have something that needs to go out there, it'll go out on our main feed. If you get it and you like the format, great. If you don't, I guess I can apologize in advance and you could just fast forward through it and, and delete it off your podcatcher. But it, I can assure you that whatever we put in bonus BS is going to be RPG, tabletop, gaming related, whatever that means. This is also going to help uh, Sean and I set the stage for how we want to make sure that we tackle game hole appropriately because we're going to have, we have the opportunity if things play out the way we wanted to, to get some seminars and some of the speakers there, some of the key uh, industry folks who will be talking, hopefully be able to grab them and, and uh, kind of wire the room for sound, if you will, and grab some of that cool stuff. And that could easily be an hour, hour plus, you know, when we don't want to cram that into the rest of the show as well. So anyway, laying the groundwork. Yeah. It'll get better. Yeah. So uh, it, like Brett mentioned, so the first one we did was Hans Cummings. And uh, if you haven't listened to it, by all means, go out there and grab it. Talks a little about the about the Any Awards and a little bit about him. Um, also, feedback. Uh, let us know. I mean, if you don't like it, that's cool. If you think it needs to be shorter, longer, um, you don't like Sean's approach to interviewing, that's cool, whatever. Or if it's actually not bad, um, that's okay, too. We take good feedback, too, just so you guys know. So, you, hey, you know, the hate mail is great, but, hey, Brett can't, all be, can't be all that bad. No. I beat him to it. <laughs> all right, let's do, uh, so, yeah, let's do Random Encounter. Sounds good. All right, Random Encounters, where we uh, reply to voicemails, read emails, uh, social media from listeners, and uh, we've got a few that we're gonna plug through and ch- charge through. Uh, do you want to do you want to apologize to Mr. Mike Rigsby? I do. Thank you for bringing let's, that up. Let's let's not forget that. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> so, Mike, Mike is a good man and a stand up gentleman. Yes. So I have to apologize. So I usually listen to our own show, um, and it falls right in line with all the other shows that I listen to. So if I record one and we release it on Tuesday, I may not release. I may not actually listen to it for another two weeks just like any other show that I subscribe to. And when I was listening to episode 28, Brett was mentioning how he taught Mike Rigsby, who is not a gamer. Um, he gamed long time ago. Ah, there you go. You almost did it again. I, no, 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 I'm not now. Hold on. I'm, this is why I'm <laughs> apologizing is he, I know Mike. Well, I know Mike from Google plus really good guy. He's a technical guy. And one of the things Brett was brought up was Mike mentioned some feedback. I think we might have even talked about listener feedback, and Mike was the subject of that. And I said, he's not even a gamer. And when I listened to it, it sounded like I was dissing him for not being a gamer, and therefore he didn't have any credibility. And that was not my intention. But when I heard it, I was like, oh, man, I don't even know if Mike's even listening to the show anymore. Um, but the, I was hurt for Mike and I, I did, I did cry a little bit. I had to drink an extra, an extra margarita just to help get through that. <laughs> so the, the reason, the reason I phrased it, well, he's not even a gamer was because he listens to the show and he's not a gamer, which it means a lot to me because he listens to Brett and I, and though he may have role played, you know, and played role playing games, you know, 15, 20 years ago, he listens to our show. So that's what I meant was that we even have gamer or non gamers listening to us, or at least one. And that's why I wanted to apologize. So I wanted to clear that up for, for that reason. And, uh, I can obviously be not as eloquent as needed when dealing with talking over the air 
uh, through the podcast. So, Mike, dude, seriously, thanks for listening. I, I, I still love you, brother. I'm Jesus. sorry. I apologize again on behalf of my uh, my uh, my partner here. I'm He's sorry, Mike. Not even a gamer. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Now that we've beaten poor Mike. Yeah. So moving let, on. What right. do we got? I don't know. So I'll. Uh, First one, Dave Wynn writes, Hey, Sean and Brett. First off, sorry I missed you at GaryCon, Sean. I saw you, but neither you were either you were in a game or I was I was, and I didn't want to interrupt. Second, although I'm a week late, I just wanted to say that when I ran a military based game, the characters were all part of a fascist Nazi style government, but they didn't know just how bad their government was. Huh. I progressively, nice. I progressively made their government worse and worse just to see how awful I could make the government before they rebelled and joined the other Soviet Russian government instead and fought and fought against their own government. The That's reason- cool. It's interesting when, pe- yeah. when you get people buy in like that. What? Yeah. How bad, especially from a player character perspective, characters do some horribly amoral shit, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's cool. That's a neat. That's a neat twist. The reason I bring this up is I used I used the bards in that campaign as the sergeants in the army. Why not only dispense? Who not only dispensed information, but more importantly, sowed propaganda. They sang songs of glory and spun the atrocities in a way that made them seem not as bad, or at the very least, patriotic. The bards were the heart and soul of this evil campaign. Just wanted to add that to your discussion. Game on. One more sign that proves my buddy Lenny is correct that all bards are evil, or at least they have evil tendencies. Game on, Dave Wynn. Mr. Wynn is helping us. P.S. The RPG I never get to the table is the Star Wars one. I never play it because I'm afraid I won't know that much of the lore uh, slash canon as my players. Thanks again for writing in, Dave. Much appreciated. Yeah, that is kind of unique. Uh, And we may... Yeah, we may touch on that today. I don't know. You never know. Never know. Never know. That's cool. One one thing I thought was interesting was the I never play it because I'm afraid my um I'm not gonna know as much lore canon. We talked about that a little bit in an earlier episode. There's uh there's definitely a some some meat to that too. That's there cool. is definitely meat to that and that's definitely a big one. And I um Brett and I've talked about that. Like I don't run Call of Cthulhu because I don't know the era. And I actually I don't know a lot of Cthulhu and Lovecraft. I've dabbled but i'm not between that and your constant insulting of mike rigsby i don't even know what to do with you <laughs> so i told you i was busy dude Brett, Brett, brett's trying to transfer his pissiness upon me i won't let it happen though ladies and gentlemen i won't all right well, who we got next roger Braslett from google plus episode 32 feedback roger friend That's of our brother show. out in maine indeed it is I've thought about the question before, and I always come back to the same answer. I haven't moved on to different games because I don't feel like I've finished everything I want to accomplish in the ones I'm playing. For me, it has nothing to do with fear or player buy-in. Obviously, it takes time to learn new games, and time seems to be something we lack as adults. However, I really do have enough downtime to prep a new game instead of an old one. I just need to finish whatever I want to accomplish in the old games first. I responded to Roger on um, our Google Plus community when he put that up there. And I honestly think that was a main reason or one of the main reasons, I should say, why I kept going with the original World of Darkness setting that I had with my group for 15 years was we we just kept running into really, oh, let's try this. Oh, this is a cool thing. This is cool. This is cool. We had more stories to tell within that setting and that game system. We were really, really digging on it. So. We just kept going, and once we got to a point where the whole group and I went, you know what? I think we need to shift gears here. I think we've told what we can tell there. Everything started to feel rehashing, 
and that was a good reason for us to move on. So cool. Yeah. Thanks for writing in Roger. Uh, Austin, my buddy, Austin G plus he's a player in my game. Um, did someone say eclipse phase attention? You, men- def- you mentioned that I in did. the podcast. I did. Eclipse phase was one of the ones of that, of the game on the gaming shelf. I don't know if I'll ever get to around to playing. Um, Moving on, attention deficit and dragons would be kind of difficult to get a campaign running for. Uh, A, D, and D. That's his joke. Ha, ha, That's ha. because you said you had gamer A, D, and D. Ha, ha. <laughs> I am Our- laughing deep inside. Oh, see, the snarkiness is moving to you. <laughs> it's happened. It's funny. I get yeah, it. Money is sort of the biggest problem I find, but I'm mostly running for people even younger than I am. Uh, and I know that um, Austin is in his younger 20s. I'll just say that. Correct. I pretty much have to put out a PDF for my players or else they'll not really end up knowing the rules too well. Since I've o- only ever seen it happen once where one of my players bought their own copy of whatever game we're playing. Frankly, I haven't run the same genre or even system twice in a row in maybe more than five years. I'm more worried about becoming stagnant and predictable than I am about stumbling the first time I run something. I'm lucky I have players who are willing to give stuff a try, like I, like if I just say, hey, I'm getting a little burnt out on this campaign we've had going for half a year. How about we try the homebrew system I've got uh, percolating for urban fantasy for a few weeks before we carry on? The answer was, uh, has pretty much always been a yes. In fact, at the moment, I'm alternating between running 5e one week and Song of Ice and Fire role-playing the next week back and forth. Cool. If you've got a group you can do that with, that's fun. I mean, if you've got that ability and the time to swap between the two, that's really cool. That's nice. Yeah. Thanks for the feedback, Austin Man. Yes, sir. Phil Vecchio on VG Plus on episode 32, which is the what RPG do you want to run but have not? He responds, Burning Empires, which is also known as The Brick. Have you seen the this brick. thing? Yeah. I have not. Is this a, is this a burning wheel thing? It is um, from Luke Crane, and it is a burning game, but it is Burning Empires, which is also, because Luke has Mouse Guard, right? And he, that was derived from a comic. Burning Empires is also, I don't know if it's derived from a comic specifically, but I know that the artist and the story, or the artist and some of the background comes from somebody who is in the comic book industry. You have to look it up. Burning Empires. Okay. But the thing is a freaking beast, man. It's a, it's like a digest size that's probably, I don't know, a thousand pages. I mean, it's just you know uh the game looks complex that i am not 656 sure. pages according to this website here oh okay holy so, crap that's yeah. still i mean that um in a, i think for example your pathfinder game comes in at three four hundred yeah yeah this, wow. this thing's a freaking beast and it's in a, like a digest form so it's not eight and a half by eleven yeah so it's it's a brick okay yeah uh, I've I've seen it. It looks interesting, and I actually played kind of part of it with uh, uh, my buddy Tim Jensen and Clyde. Uh, and if people know some people out there who listen to us, might not know Clyde from Theory of the Closet, and then um, Willow, who 
invited me and they're like, yeah, it just came out and they're like, yeah, we're going to try this out. And it was, I mean, it was kind of a one shot, but it's not, I don't know if it's really built to, around being a one shot. Regardless, that was the only time I kind of played. The game looks complex. That I am not sure I have the time. That, hmm, that and I'm not sure I have the time to dedicate to learning the rules, nor the group stamina to last the large number of sessions it would take to master the system and really grate everything out of it. I think he means get typo there. Either cut and paste in your spot or he may have been really, typing from the phone. And really get everything out of it, yeah. I'll, you know, there are certain games that's – I saw a copy of uh, Sean Had Burning Wheel and I've seen others that when I start reading through them, I'm like, yeah – there are some games when you look at it, you say, I I really would like to try this or play it, but I think we'd have to dedicate X amount of time. And I think what I'm seeing from Phil there is it's the time piece. You know, what we talked about earlier, it's just the raw amount of time. How much do we have as adults to get certain things done? And uh, if it's going to be that complicated and that much extra to learn, I can see not wanting to get into it. Yeah. I think if you've got a group that is really into learning something new and I mean, um, really putting the GM, if there's a GM involved and a player involved, mm-hmm. like removing those roles and genuinely sitting down and saying, I, we really want to learn the mechanics of this really new. Um, it's because some of these games are not. I, okay, hold on a second. Like I much, I do many times. I got to back up. There are many games that you can sit down and know that there's going to be a GM and there's going to be a player. And then the players are going to have characters, and the GM is going to narrate the world, and that's the interaction. The the mechanics involved are something that each one's going to have to learn, but essentially it's going to be, you know, there's going to be tests involved, and you're going to have the GM narrate stuff, and the players are going to go, I want to do this. Okay, perform the test to see if you succeed, whether that's rolling dice, flipping cards, whatever that is. But when you take the GM mantle, if you will, or the um, the narrator's job and pass it around the room, that sometimes takes a bit for people to sink their teeth into, especially if they're grognars, like you know, like you and I have been doing it for a long, long time. And there's a certain piece in your head you got to just set aside and say, I'm, I'm going to forget this thing and I'm going to get into it. Well, I think in – so what I'm trying to get at a little bit is that if you're going to tackle something like burning empires where you're, I think you like burn the world and there's, because I think, I think in burning wheel, you kind of do some of those things. Anyways, you almost have to say, let's really kind of knuckle down and get into this thing for what it is and how it's built and move that along. It's kind of like sitting down with two people that have never played chess and then, Knowing that you have to put the king in a in a check and a checkmate, but not knowing exactly how to do that, and you sit down and you're like, okay, we're not really worried about who's going to win or lose, but how does this stupid castle thing move? Oh, okay, it goes vertical and horizontal. Great, can it go? It's kind of like taking the how do I learn to play this new board game and applying that same I'm learning mentality to the RPG. Yeah, I think I can see that. I can yeah. see that being piece. Because so, some of these are pretty, they're different types of games. Like there's like a lot of goofy chits and, you know, all this other, you know, there's collaborative pieces to it. But I think Burning Empires is a, I, I want to say that's a pretty nutty, well, Burning Wheel is just crunchy as hell. I think, I, I've i heard it's crunchier than Pathfinder. 
I've never played. I don't know. Yeah, I had it. Interesting. Yeah, there's. Yeah, we can go. You sold that. your copy because you were never you never cracked it. So I did, and I read it over. And there's, uh, you know, I've listened to kind of live plays to some degree. And my buddy Steve just bought it. And he's like, "Hey, I bought Burning Wheel," and I'm like, "Great, I just sold mine." Um, but he, you know, it's um, it's a good game, but it is crunchy as hell. So just because, so I as an independently published game, I think some people get into it as like, "Oh, story games." So they only do story games. I'm like, no. You know, Luke Luke put out Burning Wheel and it's crunchy, you know, and uh, I don't know. It's different. It's just different. That's all I got to say. But cool. if you're playing Burning Wheel and you want to provide some feedback, by all means, um, I know Brett and I are pretty ignorant to the whole thing, but we'd be interested to hear a little bit more about how that works. It's, it's one of those things that kind of in my head when I think I should pick up a system that's new and a little bit different. I've heard really, really good things about it. But it's always been second, third hand. I'd like to hear something firsthand from somebody who's into it. You know, I would trust one of our listeners more than I would trust a random person on internet. So yeah, sure. Uh, at Walla one fifty one off of Twitter, I agree with Ed Gaming and BS. Elon Musk would make an awesome supervillain in an alternate reality RPG. Goddamn right he would. Yay! Boom. And if you don't know what he's he or she is referring to. We were talking about, uh, I don't even know how it came up, but we were talking about it. I'm like, Elon Musk would be an awesome supervillain because of his uh, Tesla. He's in Tesla Motors and he's into SpaceX and he has fan support and he does great things. But what if it's all got an, he's got an ulterior motive? Yes. He's like the ultimate specter dude, which kind of leads into what we're going to talk about next. So (laughs) let's, let's hit the sponsor first and then we'll go into it. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors. You name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website grayedout, that's G R E Y E D O U T dot Etsy dot com. All right. Are we ready for this? Hold on a second. Oh. I'm going to hold on. I got some, I got a treat for y'all before, as Brett unveils the topic at the end of this. So, Brett, what are we talking about tonight? 
We're going to talk about some espionage, clearly. Yeah. We figured at least this way, espionage is all about theme music and um, no real singing in most espionage movies. So we figured we'd have a lot of tracks that we could throw out there that would have no lyrics. So. Man, and I was going through there, kind of making up the songs. I'm like, oh, you should play it for the intro for the show. And then I'm like, no, I'll do it for the topic. But man, there are a lot of TV shows that came from the 60s. <laughs> like, and it was all that, like, beachy, I don't know what the hell kind of beachy, um, who's the guitarist, goofy guy? Oh, it's a Dick Dale. Dick Dale, kind of like, you know, and it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. So what happened was last time we were talking about things we don't play, I mentioned uh, Pendragon and, and uh, espionage games, spy games. I have Top Secret on my shelf. I've got um, Delta Green, <clears throat> which I have run. I was thinking about that today. And, you know, there's – I think we need to define what espionage is and so on. This is the thing that Sean has gamed or owned and dug a hell of a lot farther into than I have, I think. And the reason I say I think is because I – as I started sorting through my head about espionage and what I've been doing over the years, I wonder if I've been running espionage stuff and just not dubbed it as such, right? Ooh, so That's deep, so man. It, it is. So, Sean, what would you say if I was going to say, hey, I'm going to run a spy game, an espionage game, or even let's take, take the term spy out, just say espionage, because espionage and spy, not necessarily the same. Um, what would you say if I was going to do that? You would assume what 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 goes into that when you hear those words? I'd be like, "Yeah, man, I'm on board, dude. Where do I show up? What time?" <laughs> nice. Okay, okay, okay. Nice. <laughs> so, are you assuming it's modern? Are you assuming point in time? Do you assume? Well, that's it's. You know, what do you think? I mean, those, what makes an espionage game an espionage? Those game, are the sir? questions I'd ask you, man. If you're running the game, that's what for I. That's for you to answer. I'd be like, "Hey, man." Is, is there anything, though, that's key, though, that you would assume? Like in an espionage game, we all work for the circus to be John Le Carre, or we all work for, you know, you know, Bond. You know, we work over here. We work for Her Majesty's Secret Service. We work for the Mounties. What, what, what would you assume? Is it, does it have to be like that, or can you be something else? What, is there something? I don't know. There's so many different variations on that theme. I'm not. I'm just not sure if there's anything pre-canned that you would expect when you walked into it. I um, well, it depends on the pitch, but I think that there's a couple, a few different things. Like I would say, okay, well, what are what are you talking about? Are we agents? Um, so espionage. Oh, I don't even have the definition up. I guess that's <laughs> probably what I should look up on Wikipedia. But I would say that it's um, subversion, covert, um, some of the things that come to mind. I would say that you probably have some type of allegiance to a particular agency or government side. Yeah, whether it's agency, government, or person, some okay. some loyalty there that'll probably potentially get betrayed. Who knows? Um, I would I would imagine some of the questions I would ask you is is it w- what era? Is there an affiliation that's involved with the players? Like, do they belong to some type of affiliation, which is going back to what I mentioned, which is the the department, the company, the government, an individual? Uh, is it high action or low action? Uh, is there a particular era? What setting? What rule system? Okay. Right? See, to me, I would think, if I was going to say, if you were going to tell me we're going to do an espionage game, I'd be like, okay, is it like, are we part of an agency? Are we burned or, you know, so on? So I think... 
one of the coolest things that to me, I re- well, I love Knights Black Agents in, in general, but <clears throat> one of the things that it sets out is it says basically there's, from their perspective, four different types of spy games that they have or settings, right? Um, one of them is Burn. Um, spy stories, um, kind of doing a, a paraphrasing here. It's a psychological damage at the cost of heroism. The Bourne movies, the TV series Alias, um, that type of thing. Those are burn movies or shows. Dust is kind of the default setting for Knights Black Agents. It's that cinematic thriller. Um, what does he have here? Like um, do, 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 uh, the Sandbaggers or Rubicon, that type of thing. Also has uh, Mirror, which is kind of the uh, John Le Carre, the um, his Smiley novels, or if you see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, uh, The Prisoner, that type of thing, and Stakes. Um, Height is saying it was more common in earlier spy fiction than it is now, but this is the um, it's the world of James Bond, Jack Ryan, Tim Powers, and that type of thing. Uh, even shows he's saying shows like Burn Notice, is a, which I would think would be more in the Burn area, but I, I'm getting it. Twice. In a stakes game, uh, agents have drives that urge them forward. The rules highly rec- recommended for games in that mode, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, so I guess there's enough sub pieces within the espionage world. I honestly, when I, when I started talking to you about this the other day in the morning uh, down in the old atrium at work, just having a coffee and, and bullshitting about what we're going to talk about, I said, well, you know, it's spies. And you're like, well – you know, is it modern? Is it whatever it was? And I'm like, holy shit, there's a lot. There's a lot to this espionage. I keep thinking it's either James Bond, um, Tinker Taylor, or Bourne. Those are like the only three images in my head. But there's high action. There's low action. There's a shit ton of settings. I mean, there were, to my knowledge, I mean, Lincoln, during the American Civil War, there was, there was a spy network. There are people in uh, the Pope has had spies and people sending um uh, spreading disinformation all throughout all of them, uh, world history that's been out there. So there's tons of different cool places that you can do this type of thing. So I, I want to say that it is probably the least plumbed, um, genre of role-playing games for me personally. I, I've really not dug into it as like a hardcore feature. You should be plumbed. I should be plumbed. <laughs> I will bestow upon you plumbing. Mm. It, I think it's the oldest, Profession <laughs> next to yeah. deprostitution. I don't know if that's true. I know it's a really <laughs> old. Pro- I think it's a. It's it is a really old profession though. And uh, the thing is, is you could run an espionage-ish game in a lot of different uh, worlds, eras. Sci-fi, you can do it in travel. Oh, you can yeah. do it in, I mean, Wild Wild West, the TV show, right? There's, There you go. Um, fantasy settings, any number of them. I remember one of the um, Iron Kingdoms well, back when it was a D20 world. I have all the books for that setting. It was really cool. And they had a thing on Privateer Press's website back in the day, which was an infiltrator. It was kind of basically a spy that you could like, hey, here's another character class for you. And, you know, or we've talked about this when we talked about the bards, how you can have the the bard is that person who's in and double dealing in information backwards and forwards. So there's some really cool stuff to it. I think, though, that what I end up doing is I end up taking parts of that spy genre and merging it into whatever story I'm doing. 
even when I ran vampire games, you know, they're working for the prince of the city. They're working for the clan, an elder vampire, or even when they are the elder in the area, um, they're manipulating other people to go find information and d- spread disinformation and so forth. But it was never done under the espionage auspice, like saying, hey, I'm going to run an, a spy game, but you're vampires and you have spies working for you. Because for some reason, the terms espionage and spy drive a very specific feel, or at least that there's a connotation in it. And I guess I was trying to get it at the very beginning, which I probably failed miserably at. But there's connotative stuff that comes up when you use those terms. People think, oh, that means I've got to look like this version of um, James Bond shaking that stirred. I got to look like, you know, Austin Powers and just be a goofy wanker or whatever the case is, you know, or so all the variations in between there. When in fact, you know, I look back at it and I've run a lot of different stuff that's very spy-ish or espionage-ish, the double dealings and all those things. Yeah, no, I think uh, you can absolutely do that for sure. Um, and I, it depends on how you pitch it, I guess, too. Like if I, um, if somebody said, hey, I want to run a D&D 5e game and it's all going to be based on espionage, I'd be like, cool, man. That'd be, hey, all right, that's cool. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're stuck in the medieval fantasy days or if you're, you know, current time 2015 or if you're even in the far future. There's always going to be certain things in place that the players will want to. So I think the elements of an espionage game tie into that regardless of era. So I think that's something we can probably define, which is... So if we break, if we break that, then there's, there's the high action, low action. Do uh, we want to start with that? Not even that. Just like what is the point of an espionage game, right? Okay, what would you say? I would say that it has to do with... Well, there's a few aspects to it, but I would say part of it is to ga- gather knowledge or subvert a counter counter cause Does that make sense yeah this is not what i want to say this is a more cerebral non-tactile thing i'm not killing monsters and taking their stuff murder hobos have no place in an espionage adventure it isn't the it is not the primary function of the game it, it, it it's an element of it right so if you're murder hoboing maybe that's what you have to do to to uh, to accomplish the mission but it isn't the focus of the game Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. But the focus of the game is it's information. I mean, quite frankly, espionage yeah. is all about gathering intel of one or spreading false intel or some you know, all different components of that. And sometimes, even if you say, "Well, I'm actually I'm trying to flip a spy. Or I'm trying to get an agent over." It's still intel. The person knows or has access to a thing that you want. So it's all about knowledge, and knowledge is power in these in this type of thing. So I think it's all about manipulation. Manipulation. There you go. Right. Okay. Or at least a big element of it is uh, manipulation. Um, so if you're a big, if your group is all power gamers, I want to kill five dragons tonight and take all their shit. I want to go fight, you know, Orcus by the end of this adventure, whatever it is. If you're into the whole murder hobo type of thing, this is probably not going to fly. Uh, to set the expectations correctly, it would be very tough to accommodate somebody that has a particular way that they want to play or are certain things that they want to experience through so gaming. I think, I think what happens then is if say Sean, you and a bunch of guys were going to, were running with me 
and you were, you know, the classic old school. I go from town to town. I do the bidding of the king. I kill monsters and take their shit and I get paid for it. Then halfway through this killing monsters and taking their shit, you find, oh, my God, the son of a bitch has been using me to kill a cult or whatever it was. I'm getting manipulated for political reasons. That is a quasi, if you will, as it's an espionage twist placed on the game where you're being used to do something. You're used to cause um, opponents. It's kind of like assassination, right? Uh, I mean, uh, James Bond 007, he's got the whole license to kill. He's an assassin. He's, he's an gonna, assassin, yeah. Let's yeah, that's not freaking not muddy words. He's no. an assassin. That's his gig. And frankly, if he wasn't working for the British and he wasn't all romantic, we would probably call him like, he, we would think he's just as bad as some of them out there. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you do? I murder people for a living. Government tells me to. But I go, He's a hitman. Hit, I'm uh, a hitman. Yeah. I'm a professional hitman for the government. Hit so man. it's all good. Yeah. So when you find out you're being manipulated or whatever it is, I guess. So if you take those twists out, if you will, and just think pure espionage adventure, like I'm going to build a character that's geared around this, then my thought would be, I would tell you, Sean, hey, you and the guys or and the w- women playing with us, you're going to sit down, you're going to make characters, and guess what? You're going to be trying to accomplish certain goals for your uh, government or whatever the case is. I could see you conceivably saying, well, guess what? I'm going to hire this group of mercenaries with some government money, money through certain shadow corps. They're going to go start a war for me and go you know, hack and slash and do things over there and rouse the kobolds from this area so they go swarming over to the gnomes because the dwarves I'm with, you know, it all makes sense or whatever the case is. But you would be the agent facilitating those actions where the other way around would be the, the twist where I find out, oh, my God, I'm being used by the agent. You know, the agent is using me as a tool where in a true espionage game, you are, at least in some part, the agent you know, you you of course could get manipulated by your agency or your king, queen, country, whatever the case may be, cult, whatever you happen to be a part of. But at the end of the day, you're still a smaller group of people making getting information, or perhaps making larger groups of people do what you want. Yes. Sorry, I had to cough there. <laughs> oh, God. She just saw Brad. He's like, he's over there. Eyes like, bugging up. His <laughs> eyes are all turning red. His <laughs> eyes are getting big, and he's got it muted, yeah. and he's like. <laughs> I've been drinking for quite a while now, and I can't, still cannot breathe whiskey. I don't I've know what tried. is going on. I, think, I tried and At this tried, point, man. I should be able to. I'm trying to defy physics and all that other good stuff, and it just, I, I don't know what it is. At this point in my drinking career, I should be able to just breathe this shit. <laughs> anyway, know, point right? is, so when you, Sean... Is there a favorite for you? If you were going to play a real, what you would say, I want a real super meaty espionage game. I want modern. I think modern captured, captures it best. Is there a favorite type of setting for you, or do you not really care? You know, I mean, you like and play espionage more than I do. Well, and I don't play that much, but I want to. Oh. I, I so mean, I've played. You would lead me on. Uh, you would lead me on, like this deep, knowledgeable spy master. I think I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of, of uh, espionage-based RPGs, um, yeah, I've I've run. I mean, hey man, I've run. I've run, I know you. Have. I've run games. But if I if I was gonna say run me an espionage game, you're gonna go okay, cool. I'm gonna play Greyhawk espionage. No, you're gonna pull out 
modern, right? You know, or there right? was there was one game that I played in play by post, and I think I might have hinted this to this uh, like way early on in our episodes. Again, if you haven't heard it, start at one and listen through. You'll probably find it. Just listen longer; it's there somewhere. It's somewhere it's in there somewhere. Um, but the person had us as it took part in Eberron, so it was a three-five game. It took place in Eberron, and we were part of the. Dark Lanterns, I believe, which was part of the government of, I can't remember the name, and I think it's the Dark Lanterns, but that's what, so you were kind of like the special detachment that the king would would oversee. So you did the king's bidding to do certain things, and it was kind of like that. So you were kind of spies for the king, and that's part of the Dark Lanterns. So I think that you could put it in fantasy and it'd be really cool. But I think when you start an espionage game, you have to tell people the type of... So here it goes, right? Communication, man. Yes. You have to... even if So if you want to play an espionage game, rather than murder or hobo, or, hey, we're going to... This is your typical questy, questy, questy type D&D yeah. games, right? Um, you got to establish that and tell them, like, here's what I'm thinking. So the DM pitches their stuff and the GM pitches their stuff. And this could be in any espionage game, right? Okay, for any game, I'm going to pitch you an espionage game. And it's going to be during this era and it's going to take place um, in this world at around this time. And you're going to be members of this group. Or maybe you're not going to be members of that group. Maybe you're all freelancers or whatever that it is. And then you say, there it is. And you're all going to start out kind of here. And then the players can decide what they want to make. Right? Okay, I'm going to make Fightor guy. And since I'm an agent of the Dark Lanterns, or I'm an agent of the CIA in the 1960s. Or I could be muscle. I could be the bag man. I could be the whatever the case may be. Right. Pull it through that. Yep. Okay. And if you're in science fiction or far fantasy, then you could be um, just a spy. That were you know, if you're in Star Wars, maybe you're a spy for the Imperials or the Rebels. See, there's um, a there's a thing to me where if I were to say I really want to go, run a good espionage game or I want to play in one, I want. I would like to do one with no magic, no science fiction, either a point in real historical time, Cold War, or uh, current a Jason Bourne type thing. You can be like crazy cool, super you know ninja fighter guy, but there's no magic. You shoot somebody, they fucking die on you. You know whatever the case is. So I think that when I when my head goes through espionage games or whatever it is, my first thought is no magic, modern day. You get shot, you die. Um, Intel is important. Watch your back. You know, I think through all those components of it. But I immediately throw out the science, the science, uh, yeah, the sci-fi stuff, and the fantasy stuff. And even I want to take the horror out of it. I have a tendency to pull in something Delta Greeny, which, <clears throat> or even X Files, which is sort of an espionage type of game where you're working for an agency, FBI, CIA, or in Delta Green, one of the you're working for even a subgroup. You're working for Delta Green, which are comprised of different members from other agencies and um, going on missions and whatnot. But anyway, point is, is that if you take the horror aspects out, there's no Cthulhu, there's no um, esoterrorists, there's no outer dark, there's no other crazy fucked up entities or ghosts. It's just people on people action where you're trying to outwit and outsmart and outthink. 
I think that that is something that I have not done in a very, very, very long. I honestly can't remember the last time I ran a top secret game. It had to have been like mid eighties back when SI first came out. Yeah. I think what you're getting at is exactly that you can. So what I was talking about was, yeah, you could fit it into any genre, any kind of game or whatever, any world. But to, to your point, if you really want to run true, true spy, true espionage game, uh, and I say true as in what we know it kind of as it's raw, you boil it all down and what has made espionage to what, let me, oh my God, I'm getting into a tirade. But what what we perceive as true espionage, which is kind yep. of, what is, what is the uh, atypical spy movie? The world, spy world. And that really, I think, had come into fruition in the, um, probably the early 60s, 60s, 70s, early 60s, I would say, all the way up, maybe present day, but even present day, it's probably not as prevalent just because, you know, Man from Uncle, James Bond, the Mission Impossible stuff. So, Avengers back, you know, Wild yeah. Wild West. Even it's yep. again, it's a point in historical time, and you're working with. I mean, there's no black magic. Right. There might be so even as kitschy as Wild Wild West could be. You may have somebody who's a magician, but he's a stage magician using it as a cover for something. But you don't have no one's dropping fireballs, no one's summoning Nyarlathotep to come and eat your head. That, that doesn't happen. It's all about trying to. Um, uh, further your government or some other weird organization like Spectre, a terrorist group or something. Yeah, and I think we do have to say that there is some type of motivation from a from a force to be reckoned with. And um, I would say some type of higher, bigger thing. And I say that because there's a difference between being a private dick and being a spy. Yes, absolutely. Right. I mean, if you, I mean, if you're a hard-boiled detective, you know, in a noir type of setting, you could do noir spy, right? You obviously could, but in a espionage, you're usually, unless you're burned by your organization, where they just kind of—that's how you get fired. I mean, if you're if you're out in, you know, Mogadishu doing a thing, and next thing you know, um, they stop talking to you, they don't return your phone calls, none of your status reports come in and you almost get killed. You're like, Hmm, gotta, I think I got fired. I, gotta, <laughs> I think this is how this works. Gotta come in. Gotta come in. Yeah. Gotta come in. So from, from the cold. <laughs> so now there's, I mean, what we're just kind of dancing around it. I know Jack about the lingo and I think you don't even necessarily need to know a ton about the lingo to get into it. I know some people I've talked to over the years is, well, I just don't know enough of that. The talk, if you will. And I'm like, no, it's not that big a fucking deal. You know, pick up a couple TV shows, watch a f- few things on Netflix, you'll get the hang of it and off you go. But I I think one of the draws that I even – so I let off with Knight's Black Agents. I love the way Ken Hype broke out the different types, you know, mirrors, uh, burn and dust and all that stuff. However, Knight's Black Agents has the twist. It's, you know, Jason Bourne against vampires. Badass motherfucker shooting vampire motherfuckers in the head. Or staking them in the heart or whatever your vampire of choice happens to be in that in your world. I think that's cool and that's fun. But I, I kind of would like – I love the rule system. Obviously, I'm a gumshoe fan. I've said that before. But I would rather do it, I think, without the supernatural. Yank the vampires out and go like that. 
So I was at the Forge this weekend, which I did not give an update to, but for, oh, that's Forge, right, you were. Forge Midwest, we'll maybe do it later. But one of the guys I talked to, oh, was it, it was uh, Jason, I believe. And I think Jason's out of Rockford or Beloit. And I've, I've followed yeah, there's Jason. There's only one Jason in Rockford, ah, so Jesus if you know Christ. him, you know the guy. I know Jay Detman, as I think he goes by. But anyways, um, I had met him a long time ago, and he was a member of my uh, boards when I run Grumbling Dwarf. But I ran into him, and it's been a long time. So I'm like, hey, dude, how's it going? What are you playing? What other? And he's like, Black Knight's Black Agents. And I said, what'd you think? And he was like, yeah, it was, I think it was Jason God. I hope it wasn't somebody else that listens to the show and was like, dude, it was me, not Jason. What are you talking about? Feel free to make an ass of Sean. He already in, in, incited Mike earlier. So, hey, why not? Just fucking yeah. insult everybody. What do we got? I know, by all means. <laughs> but one, one of the guys well, I was talking to at Forge Midwest was saying, the group was like, you know, this would be really great, but why do we got to go after vampires? Why can't we just be spies? Why can't we just be agents? And why do we, why do we have to dick around and have vampires thrown into it? And I'm like, and he goes that like, why don't we go after, go after the Russian mob? And so he was like, go ahead, go ahead. The whole purpose behind Knights Black Agents, I shouldn't say the whole purpose, but one of the things is that, look, you used to do a thing. You don't do that thing anymore. Now there's fucking vampires after your ass. You know, you have all these skills, you have contacts and so forth. <clears throat> so take the same thing as agency members, and now you're stuck in somewhere else in Eastern Bloc type country. And lo and behold, you were cut loose, whatever the case is, and it's the fucking Russian mob that's after your ass. Or it's the Sicilians or whomever else you want or some other group is after you. Pick an organization and go and go to town. I mean, you can totally do it. Well, here's the thing about Knights Black Agents is it, I would have really loved – and I could probably still pull this off is run. So one of the, one of the folks had posted a link about character sheet. Like, Hey, if I built a character sheet for Knights black agents, what do you think should be included and what should not be included? And everybody was like, take off vampirism, which is one of the skills. It's knowledge of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And one of the reasons they said was because I think they were wanting their players to play and not know that they were dealing with vampires. There is, um, I think that might be a whole other episode of whether it's, is it a good idea to spring shit on your, on your group when they have no clue it's coming? Oh, uh, I know. You know, I, I've tried uh, that over the past. Hey, just make a human character and we'll see what happens. Right. Like, okay, fuck. He's going to turn me into something Yeah. or do this. Oh, you son of a bitch. I'm a goddamn wraith or a werewolf or whatever it was or a sorcerer or whatever. Well, that's, I, I, yeah. So I, I could see, you know, at some point, and this is where, again, though, if I look at it and say, you know what, if I really want to run an espionage game, part of me is like, you know, it'd be an exercise in self-discipline to not pull a goddamn vampire out of my pocket and say, oh, guess what? It's a vampire lord or it's a fucking Shoggoth or it's a Cthulhu cultist. Because hey! it's in me. I've done that for so long. Running a modern day or even alternate history or something um, where I did it and – it's just you against another person or another group of persons. You know, they could be really cool. They could be – you can give um, – they could be chemically enhanced in some way with a modern setting, right? He's jacked up on meth or whatever it is, having quote-unquote supernatural powers insofar as they're genetically modified or something along those lines. But keeping it to a modern level of science and not taking it to super science, not taking it to their quasi-superheroes or 
whatever the case is, keeping it at that level, honestly, to me, I think would be a personal challenge because I have a tendency to go, you know what would be really sexy right here? <laughs> fucking king in yellow. God damn right it would. It would be really cool here. Insects from Shaggy. That's fucking right. Bugs coming out of their heads. I got this. is fucking cool. And, you, you know, it would also be cool. Ghouls. Ghouls living under the, you know, stop, stop. You know, Brad, just stop it. This fucking, you know, having having bad guys want to shoot you in the head is bad enough. You well, don't need to have the rest of this. Well, here's the thing. You got to just stop before it gets to that point. Like they, you do. You totally they, do. <laughs> the party discovers the, the craziness of an organization or a madman that is trying to make that happen. Yeah, I know. You can do that. <laughs> but the other, the other piece is, though, is that in – it might be kind of a twist and, you know, absolute spoiler for my group if I ever do this is that, okay, it's human slave trafficking. Great. It's, you know, oh, God, this is no good. It's this, that, and the other thing. You know what's fucking behind this? Brett's running this game. It's goddamn vampires. That's what's fucking behind this. <laughs> you know, and I go, or it's not that. It's fucking Cthulhu cultists or it's this group or it's that. It's If I could keep a straight face and just maintain all the way to the end and then have them look at me and go, no vampires? Oh, that was still fun, but I can't believe you didn't put a vampire out. That that <laughs> maybe espionage is more of a challenge for Brett than it would be for my players. But it's um, I think it because I haven't tapped it as a if you will pure genre to run a game in in so goddamn long. I don't, and even you know, in the last uh, anyway, let me finish that thought. I haven't run it in so long. It tends to be a segue into a Delta Green game more than anything else. And when I did run a top secret SI game back in the eighties. It was a, give me the really big guns. We're going to do a commando raid against these, this drug cartel and just shoot people. It just became a murder hobo fest with machine guns and night vision goggles. That's all it was. There's not, there's nothing wrong with having that as an element. You could have the agent actually head that up. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, I mean, but it wasn't, it was a bunch of guys that look like, you know, Rambo and Schwarzenegger from the 80 movies. That's what they wanted. And that's what we did. Cause you know, that's where we were. Yeah, espionage, man. So I was reading a lot of the Spycraft, the 60s. So Spycraft has a lot of supplements, a lot of splat books. But one of the good ones is the night. That's D20, right? Is that D20? It is D20. Okay. And one of the supplements is the 1960s. So it had like all the class ones, like the Fixer, the uh, Wheelman, and the Face Man, all these. And then it also had a few other ones, and one was the 1960s. And I have to say that there are a lot of – we're going to have a list of all the sources of inspiration in the show notes and a lot of books and movies and TV. And then all the different types of espionage games that are out there that we may not even hit all of them. But the reason I bring up Spycraft's 1960s source book is because it has a lot of information on all the different – all the different organizations in modern day espionage. So all, you know, CIA, NSA, um, geez, I don't know, Mossad, um, all the, all the, the Stasi, all of those are all written up in there and they talk about each one. And then it talks about kind of more, obviously the sixties. And then it talks about the era and a lot of the different things that were going on and plot points. And it's a really good source book, for any RPG. So because it's a lot of fluff, there isn't a, I mean, yeah, there's a few, you know, Hey, if you're playing during this, you, all these people would get a plus one to this or whatever, but a lot of it is a lot of flavor. And that is one thing that a lot of these games 
don't have. So, and I'd say these games, and I'll reference them, Top Secret, James Bond RPG, Knights Black Agents, Covert Ops, Classified, Agents of Oblivion, Spione, and Delta Green. And those aren't all of them, but those are some of the bigger ones. No, so you're saying that that one, that Spycraft bit had more setting info. Yeah. As far as, hey, if you're going to be in the 60s, here's what y'all need to know. Yeah, in the 60s, and I think there was, um, I know that one for sure, but that one had a lot of the organization, like history, what they do, what they're kind of founded on. So even if you didn't run it in the 60s, you would at least have an understanding of, and I think it even goes into the important people. So like Dulles, right? He was the head of the CIA way back. Like if you haven't heard of who Dulles is, I think it's John Dulles. I don't know. But if you haven't heard of Dulles, it's he's got an airport named after him. Right. So, um, cool. yeah, but it talks about a lot of those things that, I mean, covert ops, I love you guys, um, but they're, they're not going to have that all in their game. They're not going to have that material in there. You're either going to have to, and if you, you don't have to know that stuff, but if you want to get into the grit of what was going on at that time or the, the background of those organizations or what have you, um, it's really, I mean, and you could soak it up. I mean, it's, it's almost just as good as buying a reference book. Well, I mean, you've got Wikipedia. You can look up stuff, yeah. even if it's woefully inaccurate or not uber detailed. That's fine, you know, because <clears throat> as you're playing, unless you're opening up, <clears throat> excuse me, CNN or BBC, you know, dot com every morning and tracking what's going on and having that impact your game, you're basically creating alternate history as you're going along. Even if you're in a modern setting, you're creating an alternate world because of what's what's happening. Um. Now, Sean, this kind of touches on something that we've talked about before offline was the I don't like playing modern games. I want to have magic. I want to have this other thing because modern is my life right now. Have you uh, – what, what, do you have a retort to that, Sean? <laughs> the whole concept of you know, I don't like playing modern, uh, modern RPGs without any of the specials. I've heard I, – I haven't heard that often recently, but I've heard that in the, in the past. And uh, maybe that's the topic for another show, but I've heard that in the past. Yeah, I have. I've had players that say, I don't want to play modern RPGs because uh, it doesn't allow me to escape. And if I, uh, you know, if it's modern day, I'm, I'm, it, it doesn't do anything for me. To which I say, whatever, dude. <laughs> All right, then nuts to you. Nuts your thing. Moving on. Well, yeah. If it's, I mean, they may say, well, I don't play D&D because I don't like fantasy. I mean, it's whatever. Everybody's got their preference. But I yeah. think that, um, I don't know. I think there is different uh, games that you play for different reasons. And if they're role-playing games, great. I mean, people play storytelling games. People play this. People play that. And it's to get something out of it. And if it's... Their thing, because their thing is not to play modern, because they want to be a fighter or rogue, rogu, at daring ro- rouge. That's uh, pickpocketing people in medieval fantasy. Then that's fine. That's whatever. Um, that's great. I honestly, I honestly would like to hear. I mean, if if some of our listeners are playing or have, I guess <clears throat> I've heard really good things about James Bond, the RPG, the old 007. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Apart from Spycraft and Agents of Oblivion, is that Savage Worlds? Am I right? 
It is. It's a setting and it's got some really cool elements to it because one thing that really made it interesting when I got to the point where it was talking about, uh, I think it has to do with like the climate. There's a climate aspect to it. So if you're in a bad neighborhood, like so to speak. Oh, not like, not like if it's, it's raining, but. Right. Not okay. weather climate. <laughs> not the weather climate. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Somebody help me out. Told you I was cranky. Uh, but it's like if you're in a specific uh, uh, area, environment, then your uh, skill, like this skill and this skill takes a hit, which I think is pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But in any reach, I want to I check out Spione. You know who that is, right? I do not. Ron Edwards. Oh, My okay. buddy Ron Edwards. I met him this weekend. I mean, face-to-face. Like, I've interacted with him, but I met Ron. I played in a game with Ron. If you don't yeah, know, I saw you had a little posted a picture up there. Yeah, if you don't know who Ron Edwards is, he looked pretty. He looked pretty disappointed, and he was staring at you with that look. So I'm just <laughs> throwing it out there. <laughs> He's following me on Twitter now because I'm his oh, friend. Oh, that's good. Yeah, good. I We're figured you. We would. go back. We go back like to last weekend. A couple days. Um, <laughs> Two days. But ago. he wrote that, and it, he I heard uh, through Tim Jensen, my buddy here in Madison. Uh, said that he ran Spione, which is very cloak and dagger, old school espionage, no guns, whatever, Stasi based. And he ran it for Stasi guys in East Germany. Are you serious? That's what Tim told me. Now, Ron, if Interesting. You, Ron's probably not listening to this damn show, but Ron, if you're listening, dude, I want to know more about that shit. I didn't have time to ask him about it. Wow. Because uh, he, so he, 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 he was like a playtest. Like he wanted their feedback on the game. Yeah, does this, does this feel real to this you? Is this real? Is this like the deal? Is anybody here flashing back? Is anybody here have a trauma? Like, like okay, hey, good. I don't good. know what you guys can like, um, uh, you know, uh, confirm or deny, but is this like maybe something that would have happened? Yeah. yeah. I'm serious. I was, where I was going with this was that. What we have listed in the game section, you'll see it in the show notes there, and what Sean just listed off, that's kind of the usual suspects, in my opinion. I don't know of anything else. Apart from, if I were to go something universal like a GURPS or a hero system or or a basic role-playing, yeah, I could grab something that's very generic, and I could I could crush it into it. And again, I could, not shoehorn's a bad phrase, but I could use the, the tone and so forth in a Frat Realm setting. I could use it in my world of Avalon. I could use it in... Um, uh, Traveler or any game I want to. Dungeon Crawl Classics, for Christ's sake. I could have an espionage twist, if you will, into something. But if I want to play an espionage game, no monsters, right? No dark magic, just espionage. And I'm saying point in Earth's history, right? I'm talking about either modern, anywhere back to Civil War or whatever the case you want to be. You know, anywhere in time. Popes don't care but what's out there? I don't know. I started poking around a little bit. I was going to say, what would you want to play, man? What era? <clears throat> I don't know. I what? honestly think I would like I would like to do something either Cold War would be really interesting or modern. So and I, I So would you want to play it, I think modern to me is just says take Knights Black Agents, hack out the vampires and throw in the uh Russian mob or throw in, you know, what's ever left of the NKVD or something along those lines. I don't know. Say uh so my question to you would be what would you have do you want to be uh, do you want to be Jason Bourne I'm going to like you know smash everybody's face in or do you want to play the spy that came in from the cold no guns 
all role playing because I, they're way different games. I could do both. I'd like to know what what makes sense for both. I mean, because if you Knights Black Agents is clearly Jason Bourne style, right? You're a badass. It so you'd be, so you be good with the vampires. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just saying, get rid of the vampires, but just you know, have it be something else. I would also be fine with a just raw um, spiral came in from the cold type of scenario where that's it. You know, it, it's just you know what what I want to say. It's all. Very cloak and dagger. There's if you're carrying a gun, it's a small 32 auto. It's you don't have, you're not carrying a 50 cal Desert Eagle with you, right? You're not shooting people in the face with sniper rifle. You that can't doesn't walk. Happen. You can't walk through airport security with a frick. You can't pack in. No, you can't. So yeah. what happens when you get on the other side? What happens when you gotta <clears throat> get a gun? What happens if you're found with a gun? Yes. You know, I mean, it's I'm just you could get nit, you know, nitty gritty. To the point of, and it may, it, the thing is, it doesn't is, have to be Nat's ass, like, oh my God, this is fucking boring. No. But what I'm curious about is, and I, I know I've, I've said, you know, I can throw out any rule system. I could grab any rule system and say, I'm going to throw this out, ignore this fucking thing, and do this other fucking thing. And there, it's a spy game. There are spy games out there that capture the feeling and everything really well. And maybe the Spione is, is, a, is a cool way to go about it. And um, I'm buying that agents, bastard tomorrow, I think, I swear to God. Does Agents of Oblivion is that a does that have a horror aspect of it? I it, think it does. It does. It can, and it's it is. But they can, you know. It's like, like I said. I, I just I want to do something. At least I I feel like all I have right now that could cover the base for espionage without horror, no magic, no monsters, none of that shit is either a variation of GURPS, basic role playing, or top secret. That's all I've got. And I'm thinking a modern time you know uh, modern and back in history i don't want to yeah i could go traveler i don't want to go sci-fi but i just i don't know what's out there apart from again knights black agents or um even esoterrorists but then i'd have to hack out crap i could take the delta green system which is basically i mean i think they're rewriting it now but you know take brp basic role playing hack out the supernatural stuff and just go with it as is Maybe that's all that's out there. I don't know. Maybe Spione kicks ass. I don't know. I'll have to take a look at yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know either. It, I know it's pretty big. I know it's, uh, I think Ron, when I saw him, had a, a, a soft copy a year ago at Forge Midwest. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know how it plays. And sometimes I think you got to have a little action just to kind of uplift the spirits. Otherwise, well, there's ways to do it, right? You can do a, you can do a car chase. You can be stocked you can have people shooting at you you can have there's there's ways to do it i mean just grab one and and work with it i don't know no there's well and it's very subtle it's a very different approach because all the rpgs that we play seem to have elements of action not all but most have action to them and to some degree and what happens if you remove that where you actually do something so for an example uh stuxnet if you're not familiar with that is um, we sabotaged Iranian nuclear reactors, uh, centrifuges, with a firmware uh, virus. And nobody, there's rumors that it was the Israelis and the Americans. But if you, if you play that in a game, you could be involved with that, but it's, it isn't going to be highlighted. It's not going to be this big action. It's not going to, you know, you're going to, I don't know. There's a different aspect to that type of game. Than, it is, than there is Jason Bourne. James Bond kind of gets there. I could see James Bond because he does it. He's kind of goofy. He's running down the train and, you know, bullets are flying up from the, 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 
from the inside and you know he's he can get into some goofiness flying but some of the spot i mean if you look historic history historically speaking not all the spies were like super ninja men you know right. we're not like you know death incarnate with bare oh, hands and feet not you know, in real they, life no no and it was all like and, double crossing maybe it's maybe this would be fucking boring as hell to run this game and it would just be just glaring at me across the table going, dude, really? Uh-huh. Fucking throw a vampire in there for Christ's uh, sake. Please, God, give me something to do. That's true. In which case, you can always pull those out, right? There's always a vampire to bite somebody. You could always do that. But, I'm telling I you, know. I got to hand it to Chad Parrish, man. Dead Games, uh, Dead Games Society. He ran, and you know what? It didn't get, I looked at my character sheet maybe twice that entire game. Because none of the skills, I had like maybe two or three checks. I didn't. It wasn't based on a lot of that crap. It was based on what am I doing? And it wasn't whether I succeeded or failed. It was like, okay, you do that. Great. You know what I'm saying? So I talked about this a couple episodes ago. Chad Parrish ran a top secret game at, was it the game hole that I had taken part in? No, it was at Gary Con. Gary Con a year ago. Gary Gary Con a year ago. And it was four players. And, you know, you're a mole. And then it was, hey, somebody you know, knock at the hotel door in East Germany or East Berlin. Okay. I open the door. Am I expecting anything? No, nobody's ordered anything. Okay. I open the door. It's room service. Great. Room service comes in, pulls in a, a cart and says, thank you very much. Holds out their hand for a tip. You go and I give them money. And as you change that well, person, I mean, a game like, that person like, slides you a note while you shake yeah. their hand. See, how is this, I mean, from an action perspective, I mean, I've not played Fiasco. You've played it. There are other games like that. Granted, they're short, what I would consider short non-campaign games, various different indie games. There are ways to jack up the tension and so forth, like something as simple as that. You could do that in a sci-fi game, in a vampire game, and whatever it is, and there's never a combat die rolled all night just because people are passing notes and doing different things. That could jack the tension right up. So anyway – I love the idea of the. I mean, I love the idea of the espionage game. I really do. The more I think about it, the more the cooler it sounds. I think I just need to do it without no supernatural, no sci-fi. I want to shed that shit, just knock it aside, and go right to the heart of it and say, "This is it. Point in time, world history. It's either now or some point in the past, and this is what we're going to go with." I think that would be cool. Lots of different twists and turns, and I would almost, to me, I've got some things in my brain where I would actually start um, in on some of the. conspiracy things right so is it a conspiracy i don't know right well, maybe that's it's, cool it's, there's really cool conspiracies right. that have nothing to do with magic or cthulhu right there's some really cool fucking conspiracies out there right yeah. and there's media manipulation and all this yes. other stuff that goes on where it's like you i want the the agents to actually be the ones that they know the deal they know what's going on they know the world doesn't but they know yeah, you've but, got that, but that then guy you go, or that woman who who is part of the uh, disinformation league that, yeah, I spread those pamphlets around. I know why the Iranians feel like that because I fucking wrote that document. That's right. And oh. then all of a sudden, then what happens is you, you then they realize they don't know. Yeah, exactly. Ah, stuff. Let's get it. The, the die roll. Die roll two to four points of uh, miscellaneous geekery that we have come up with that we want to share with you and you should be aware of. Brett. Oh. Are you there, Brett? 
You got your stuff muted, Brett? Sorry, I muted you. <laughs> Brett? Look at that. Oh, rub, 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 rub. Your mouth is moving, but no. I, so can you hear the words that are coming out of my oh, mouth? Oh. I'm so tired of Sean's shit right now. I just fucking muted him. <laughs> I started off with you son of a, and I just went in from there. Anyway, so I grabbed two this time around, and the first one I grabbed was the laundry. Apparently, there is Cubicle 7. I was hunting around for information on the One Ring role-playing game. I'm a Tolkien nut, so I was looking over there going, you know, I haven't picked that up yet. Maybe I should, seeing good things. Like, what is this laundry thing? And uh, it's kind of another X-Files-y type of thing. It's based on some novels by Charles Strauss. And um, it's uh, an agency uh, dedicated to protecting the United Kingdom from unthinkable horrors. And uh, uses uses the basic role playing system, so yeah, it's called Cthulhu type of thing. But it could be kind of cool. It feels a lot like um, a Warehouse Thirteen or um, X Filesy type of thing. I thought that was kind of cool. I'm not I'd not heard of it before. And then lo and behold, I was in um, Pegasus Games in Madison this last weekend, and they had a couple copies on their shelf. Like, shut, oh, cool. shut up, seriously? Yeah, seriously. I thumbed through it. and Went, oh, that looks neat. Wasn't enough to grab me that I'm like, oh, I gotta have this. Because, again, when I was kept thinking espionage, going back to what we just talked about, I'm thinking, I don't want the supernatural pieces. But for anyone who is interested and perhaps a fan of Charles Strauss, I thought I'd throw that out there. Last one I had was, granted, as much as I piss and moan about Kickstarters, I thought I'd throw these guys out there. We have a Just In from Gen Con. It's an old podcast that was out there a while back. Sean had uh, cued me in on them, I think, shortly after he and I met, but they had been defunct at that point. But... Just in from Gen Con, they're out on Kickstarter. They're trying to raise up some cash. Take a look at them. If it feels like something you're into, throw, throw them a bone if you would. Our buddy Wayne Humphreet's involved, and there's a couple other folks that listen to us that are um, either part of or helping out here and there. So it's worth a look. I think, if nothing else, if you're not going to Gen Con, it might be a cool opportunity just to get caught up on what's going down in, uh, in uh, Gen Con land. So cool. That's what I got. That's how Brett and I met. That is how we met. Talking about that, yeah, because I came down to the uh, the one area, and he's got this he's got his laptop up, says just in from Gen Con sticker on the side of the laptop. I'm like, oh, gamer, I'll go talk to him. That's right. This just it's a gamer. It's a gamer love story. We started. We snuggled shortly afterwards. It was all good. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, modus operandi, um, modus operandi dot co dot uk. I go back a ways with this site. Um, when I created the Grumbling Dwarf, Modus Operandi used the same forum system as I did. And when I came across it, I was like, whoa, they use the same forum system and they're role-playing game guys. Sweet. So Dave, so Mc- what, what, what have you got here? What is this? Dave McAllister is, um, I, I know Dave. I've never met Dave, but I've over the years kept in touch with this guy in social media in some way or another. But it's an espionage RPG site. And so it has a bunch of RPG resources for espionage systems and games. And well, it is, son of a bitch. I would have my ass over there. It's been cool. nominated for five Ennies. Um, I don't think they've ever won. but it's And it's gone through its different iterations. But if you're playing espionage RPGs, you got to go to that site and check it out. And Dave is a huge espionage RPG-er. So he's played like, I mean, he's played a lot of those games that are featured on there. Crap. Yeah. Got stuff up there I've never heard of. Yeah. Neat. So Dave. Oh, fucking hell. Now I know where to start my search. Cool. So Dave, I hope this finds you well, man. I hope you're listening to the show and everything's good for you. I, I told him, I'm like, dude, I'm going to drop modus operandi on our next show. And he's like, when's it drop? I'll listen to it. So hopefully he's listening. Um, he's located in the UK and 
is a veteran and know a little bit about Dave. But anyways, Origin Awards nominations are out there. Uh, show Link in the show notes. Congratulations to them. And sticking with the theme of the show, number three, Audible book, Espionage and Covert Operations, A Global History. So if you're into listening to audiobooks, um, I actually downloaded that one and listened to it. Oh, it's been a few months now, but um, it's good. They have these. Um, so on Audible, you can get books or you can actually like download lecture series on a lot of different things. And that one was one that I downloaded because uh, I'm on the credit plan and that's good and it gives you gets uh, some stuff there. Sweet. Yeah. Dude, I want to still play this thing again. <laughs> I'm proud of my little mix. It was a nice little, nice little montage. I like it. Yeah. And there was a well, few... I was going to put it out there and say, hey, can you name all these themes and what they're to, but... I'll tell you what, man. There's there's piece of this we never touched on. There's the wild, wild west wonkiness. There's the man from Uncle has got some craziness in it. There is... You can do comedy crazy. I jokingly said Austin Powers, but there's stuff out there. I mean... It's right for parody. It's right for all that stuff. There's there's some cool stuff, and I th- really, really think doing it without the uh, supernatural, I think, is uh, the way to go. Yeah. If I want to go pure. Right. Anyways. <laughs> Talking about Goofy. I didn't know about the Pink Panther, but I thought I'd throw it in there anyway. Why not? Yeah. But hey, uh, this is—we've gone a little over. We apologize for the length of the show, but it's—we didn't even get into a lot of the details that we probably wanted to, and and how to run an espionage game. But nonetheless, we hope we—you found it um, valuable in some respect or another. We might have to come back at this if we get some good feedback, because I'm curious around the uh, how if for folks who are doing it, how they're doing it, right? How are they cutting it out? How are they doing the uh, making it intense? You know, if you take a low action Cold War, you know, there's not a lot of gunfire. How are you dealing with that? You know, what's going on out there? So, yeah, I'm cool to I'm, see what's I'm happening. I'm always interested. I always love the oh shit, like the the piece in the campaign where players are like, oh my god, they didn't see anything coming of it, and this is it. But anyways. This is Gaming and BS. Thanks for tuning in. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all. <laughs>